Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is October 6th, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unscripted, unedited, and for at least the next little while, uncensored commentary on Canada's issues. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in beautiful BC. We have... Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. We had a little bit of forest fire smoke here the last couple of days, so that hasn't been very much fun. Oh. Yeah, we our forest fires are done. So, your turn. Yeah, well, they should be done this time of year, but uh, we got one more just to lead us into the fall. Yeah, well, we're... We're experiencing somewhat cooler than normal temperatures and uh, a lot more rain than we normally get. So um, that's that's good because we had a really hot, really dry, and really fiery summer. So um, I just want to say to our listeners, we took uh, a bit of a hiatus after the election. Um, uh, I don't think that either of us really wanted to talk politics after the uh, disappointing uh, election results. Uh, we did, we did a recap and, uh, and, and that, but that's about, that was about it. We took a couple of weeks off and we're back now. Uh, I won't be, I won't be around next weekend be, or next week because I will be hunting. Uh, but uh, uh, today we've got a full show. So uh why don't you uh, tell us what we got to talk about? Oh, we got a lot on the go today. It's been good to, to take a bit of a break and reflect. So on the show today, the two Michaels come home. SNC-Lavalin back in the news. Vaccine mandates, they're here to stay. We'll talk about the future of some political federal leaders. Line five, back in the news. And more. Lewis, I think I want to start. I did a rant about this just a couple of days ago, but I really want Canada to hear your take on it. And I'm curious as well. Justin Trudeau decided to take Canada's very first um, Truth and Reconciliation Day holiday. And, well, he made it a holiday. He did. He decided to fly out to Tofino, B.C., which is on the west coast of vancouver island and it is one of the most beautiful places on the face of this planet and uh he decided to go surfing and um after having basically ignoring uh two invitations from the chief of the kamloops indian band to attend their Truth and Reconciliation Ceremonies on the Truth and Reconciliation Day. Yeah, no, see, what bugs me is Trudeau, as the architect of this holiday, and this is his baby, he should have been going to events anywhere that he possibly could to promote this idea that this was a day of reflection. Instead, he lied to Canadians, and on his personal itinerary, or his government itinerary, whatever, first said private meetings in Ottawa, then switched that to private meetings in BC, but never at any point in time switched the itinerary for the 30th to surfing on the West Coast, Jackass. 
Yeah, no. He, he, this was, I mean, he's the one who created this day. And, I mean, it wasn't even something that any, any First Nations in this country even asked for. But it was, I believe, his way of showing that he's doing something when he's not. And it's, it's a bit of pandering because, uh, it's like, you know, I, I don't know what to do about it. I, I don't want to do anything about it. So uh, here, here's a day off. And then he promptly ignored requests for his, uh, for his uh, uh, presence in Kamloops. And, uh, and then ended up walking the beach in Tofino and surfing and completely ignoring a global news reporter who confronted him on the beach and asked him why he, why he didn't accept the uh, Kamloops Indian band's uh, uh, invitation. Yeah. I thought that was really uh well, and tone deaf is a word I used in my rant and that's, Absolutely what it is. And you, we never would have found out about this had it not been for uh, Brian Pasifumi from the uh, Toronto Sun, who just happened to be paying attention and noticed that Trudeau's plane had taken off and tracked where it was going. And it really blows my mind how, I mean, it's tone deaf is one thing. I can't even think of words for the prime minister right now. Like what kind of a moron is so blind to even his own, you know, vacation that he's made and uses it as a vacation instead of its intended purpose. Like even like uh, Patty Haidu, who had attended a, a few events around her Roddy Thunder Bay, uh, she was without words. And when Evan Solomon was trying to to press her, and uh, she she avoided it as much as she could because she said, "Well, I can't speak for the prime minister." It's like, well. Nobody can. The guy's a jackass. Yeah, it's, that's a pretty good descriptor. Um, I I just, I've got another one. Starts with an A, ends with hole. But yep. Um, I'm just, uh, the, the thing that blows my mind, I mean, we talked about this in our election recap, how the, uh, how all these political pundits on TV on election night were talking about how bad CERB has been for small business and all this kind of stuff, but they never talked about it when it actually mattered. They talked about it after everyone voted. And the same thing with this case, because the Toronto Star has uh, editorials in it saying, oh, maybe Trudeau's uh, you know, dissenters were right. Well, yeah, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> yep, no kidding. We've oh, always yeah. been right about him. We've been right about him ever since uh, Stephen Harper was saying that he wasn't ready. I mean, he wasn't ready. He's still not ready. He's been prime minister for six years. 40 years, and he's still not ready to be prime minister. And yeah, people still voted for the guy. You know, oh, I don't even have words for people right now because I'm so angry. Well, let's get you angrier, my friend, because 
Canada loves yeah. it when you're angry. <laughs> now, today the announcement came out, I guess more official, because it's been getting hinted at for some time, but those federal government employee vaccine mandates are now a thing, and they are tougher than I even expected it could be. Yeah, by the end of October, every uh, federal civil servant, every airline passenger, every rail line passenger, uh, God, I'm trying to remember what else this covers, but it's it's any federally regulated business or employee and must be vac- fully vaccinated by the end of this month. If you're not, you're suspended without pay until you are fully vaccinated. And the, uh, not to mention the, uh, uh, the exemption, what was it? You're willing to get tested every week. Well, that exemption ends November 31st. Oh, no, sorry, November 30th. Yes, so that's right. You, you won't be able to opt for being tested even. And and if you've had COVID and you've got the antibodies, too damn bad. You're not vaccinated. Even though if you've had COVID, you are 6 to 13 times more resistant to COVID than people with vaccines. Yep, that's right. Now, what about those federal employees who wish to work remotely? Do they still have to get vaccinated? Yes, they do. And why the hell would that be? <laughs> I don't know because I'm not a dumbass. So well, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I here's the thing. Unvaccinated nurses and lab techs and doctors were our heroes last year because there were no vaccines. And they worked through the first, what, three waves without vaccines? The first two waves, at least, without vaccines even being available. And then the third wave, uh, they weren't available in Canada because, uh, oh, yeah, right. Our, our illustrious leader could, couldn't get any vaccines. So our third wave, we didn't have vaccines really either. We had very, very few. And the fourth wave now, we have, I believe, nearly 50% of our healthcare workers are still not vaccinated. And now they're the, they're the devil's spawn. I mean, they are the enemy now because they're not vaccinated. Even though they worked over, you know, now a year and a half without vaccines. And and the thing is, is that they were heroes until, what, earlier in September? And now, now there's, now there's zeros. That's a good way to put it. Yep. Suddenly there are zeros and suddenly people are saying, well, maybe they should be fired. Um, probably not a good time to fire healthcare workers. In fact, it's never a good time to fire healthcare workers. Okay. Quebec alone has 15,000 unvaccinated healthcare workers. Wow. So 
if you fire them or suspend them without pay, who's picking up the slack? Yeah, no like, our our healthcare system could collapse because of this. Yeah, wow. And this is going to show you how insane and ridiculous this vaccine mandate is because our systems have been working even with unvaccinated people in them. And now they'll collapse because we're going to fire. Yeah. Way to show appreciation, eh? If you think government services were inefficient before, and you had to wait on hold for hours with Revenue Canada. Well, get ready, people. It's getting. It's gonna get worse. Yep, absolutely right. But on the plus side, there's gonna be a lot of people looking for jobs. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. That is a, a big plus, and. Move on to the two Michaels here for a little bit. Now, I'm getting really, really picked off with people who can't see the forest for the trees. Now, Michael Colvrig, Michael Spavor, we all know they spent 1,020 days in Chinese prisons as hostages. And it is no coincidence, people, that Meng Wanzhou and the two Michaels literally passed each other in the air on the way back to their home countries. I'm sick to death of people saying this. these are completely unrelated incidents. It has nothing to do with Meng Wanzhou's extradition order being lifted. BS people. It was a prisoner swap. John Manley and company got their way. That simple. Yeah, except that they had nothing to do with this. And that's the other thing that ticks me off. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah the 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 thing is is that this was this was because the U.S. decided to drop some charges and offer her a deferred uh, uh, prosecution agreement. And yeah. this had nothing to do with the Canadian government. I mean, I mean, and nothing can can. Uh, uh, be a better example of that than the hastily uh, put together press conference that Justin Trudeau held. I mean, you could tell he had no idea this was happening. No, it had nothing to do with him, but yet he's trying to spin this as some kind of a win. And A, it was not a win. And B, who the hell wants the first person they see when they come back to Canada after three years in a bleep hole jail in China, who wants Justin Trudeau to be the first person they see when they get off the plane? Yeah, and I mean, why? Why was he even there? I mean, yeah. I, I mean we, we know why he was there. It was a photo op. I mean, he, he goes out and hugs these guys, and it's like, why are you there? They should be hugging their families. Not you. You had nothing to do with this. Like, absolutely nothing. You had no idea this was even happening. No, exactly right. And it was it was all of the U.S. government and Chinese government back and forth because obviously there was coordination to get them all on planes. And somehow 
the Canadian government is trying to spin this that that they did something. They did absolutely nothing. They did squat because Justin Trudeau doesn't ever want to offend China. Hello, Huawei's still here, folks. Yep. No, Huawei's still here. Oh, they're promising to have uh, a decision on Huawei in the next, uh, I think, in the next few weeks. Oh, well, that's progress. Yeah, except they promised that about three years ago. Yeah. Remember, they said, oh, yeah, we promise we'll have, an, we'll have a decision in the next two months or by the end of the year. And that was like three or four years ago now. And that never happened. Yeah, well, exactly. So, yeah, let's not get our hopes up. But wouldn't that be nice if they actually made the right choice on that one? I'm not holding my breath. Nope, exactly. Okay, let's move on to that one because we have got a lot to cover today. SNC-Lavalin is back in the news. Now, uh, what ticks me off with this, just like with any other thing that might make the Liberal government not look so rosy, three days after the election was over, then the RCMP felt like they could release the fact that two former executives from SNC-Lavalin have been charged with fraud and forgery and conspiracy. But, of course, we couldn't find that out before the election was over because that might make the MP for Papineau look bad. Yeah. Hey, who's in charge of the RCMP? Well, that would be Trudeau appointee Brenda Lucky. And who is she? Oh, wouldn't she be the cousin of former finance minister Bill Morneau? Yes, she would. How about that? Oh, my God. I love how we start every topic with, you know what really ticks me off about this? (laughs) (laughs) We could. Yep. Oh, my God. This show, you'd think this was just a, 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 you know, how do we we make ourselves mad today? I mean, but but the thing is, is that we've got nothing else to talk about because everything everything that comes out of the federal government Everything that comes out of the provincial government lately, all it does is make me mad. There's no positives coming out of these governments right now. Nothing. Nope. Sadly, there is not. And, uh, of course, I expect really no fanfare at all from this latest SNC-Lavalin fiasco. Yeah, I haven't uh, heard anything about it. Yeah. And we'll hear nothing about it if they actually you know, get sentenced to anything. So. Yeah, I read one article on the post-millennial. And that's all I've seen. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I got it for first reading, which was uh, it's a National Post publication. And yeah, they're just keeping it nice and quiet. Yeah. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing. All right. Now, I'm just going to touch on this because this is actually funny. Julie Payette found herself another job. She was spotted in Quebec working as a poll clerk at one of the elections offices. Oh, I thought you were going to say she, she was spotted working at Walmart. <laughs> she'd be too, well. She'd be a good Walmart greeter. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about that. She doesn't like to be around people. That's what I mean. <laughs> I don't know. So why was she working in a polling booth? I mean, that's oh wow. What? Yeah, it makes me wonder. Like, um, maybe she's trying to make herself look good because. There was a complaint from a gentleman in Vancouver um, two or three months ago 
asking for her Order of Canada to be taken away. And apparently, all it takes for the such a thing to be reviewed is to have somebody complain. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Now, it's uh, very unlikely, of course, that it will get taken away from her. But our current Governor General, Mary Simon, was on the panel of people who decided to take Conrad Black's Order of Canada away. So... Interesting. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, huh? Yeah, I don't see it happening though. I don't either. And if we hear more news on that one, Canada, we will certainly let you know. Yeah. Now that's probably the only really funny thing we'll have to share today. Line five is back in the news. Now, those of you who have forgotten line five in Canada, that is an Enbridge pipeline that runs. Uh, underneath Michigan and Huron supplying oil and gas to not only Ontario and Quebec, so Michigan, Ohio, and other states in the United States. And Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer wants to shut it down. Yeah, and this is the only pipeline our federal government is going out of its way to support. And I mean, okay, yes, they bought Trans Mountain, and yes, Trans Mountain is being built. I have driven past the construction myself. I've seen it. It's being built all the way down into the lower mainland. Uh, and they don't even have all the agreements in place yet, but they're but it's it's being built. So yes, they have done that, but they don't jump up and down and scream and, and defend a pipeline the way they have been for Line 5. No, that's right. And they've, they've invoked a treaty from 1977. They've got the federal government on both sides involved. And I just say, you know what? The big blow that would take to the economies of Ontario and Quebec might be just what they need to help appreciate the Canadian energy industry. Yeah, but do you think that's going to happen? I don't. Nope. They're gonna they're gonna continue crapping on Canadian oil and gas uh, because it's politically expedient for them to do it. Uh, but and but they'll continue to fight for Line Five because you know I mean it's not like it's bringing Canadian oil and gas to uh, Ontario and Quebec uh, because if if they wanted Canadian oil and gas in, in Ontario and Quebec, the federal government would oppose it. Energy East. <clears throat> yep, exactly. I mean, it is Canadian oil and gas, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's because it's supplying Ontario and Quebec. That's the only reason that they actually care about it. Oh, it is Canadian oil and gas. It is, yeah. I thought it was uh from the U.S. No, um, no, that's this that, that's just Canadian oil and gas. It, Oh, I can't remember how many barrels a day it is now, but it's over 500,000 at any rate. Okay, my mistake. But yeah, it's uh, every drop of aviation fuel for Toronto's Pearson Airport, it comes through line five. So uh, it's in Ontario's interest to make certain this thing stays, stays up, stays operational. Yeah, well, I mean, like I, like I was saying earlier, I mean, if they if they had 
East, this wouldn't even be uh, an issue. Yep, you're absolutely right. All right, so we won't have a decision on that one soon, but we will keep you posted as we go along, Canada. So let's talk a little bit about leadership in this country. Annamie Paul has possibly not her own fault, but boy, has she overseen the absolute decimation of the Green Party. Yes, she has. And I would say that quite a bit of it is her fault. Um, she was quite the lousy leader. Uh, I mean, I mean, just forget about the the problems in her caucus. I mean, just just her lack of preparation and her performance in the debates uh, proved that she wasn't a leader. Yeah, and the way she's running the party, apparently she's in control of all communication still. Now, she has announced that, announced that she's begun the process of resigning because apparently there's some kind of severance package involved, which needs to be negotiated. And again, she's brought out the race card. And Elizabeth May is now speaking out. And apparently she was asked not to speak at all, which is why we hadn't heard anything from her. But she apparently has turned down the idea of being interim leader and suggested instead that Paul Manley get that job. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, when she when it was announced that she was going to be the interim leader, I thought, well, it, of course, she's only one of two people, uh, two uh, uh, you know MPs from the Green Party, so I kind of expected it. But uh, I'm kind of surprised she turned it down. Yes, well, my actually. All right, so Anime Paul, who has seen Green Party with the lowest number of candidates since 2006, and 337,000 votes, I believe, is what they got. So, yeah. so way down from what they had before. Yeah. Now, what I find interesting, and I want to save our discussion of Aaron O'Toole till last. What I found interesting was that even the CBC is questioning the future of Justin Trudeau as leader of the Liberal Party. Oh, wow. Well, when the CBC starts doing that, you know, things are getting close to the end. Um, I mean, I, sorry, I just want to touch on Enemy Paul. Uh, yeah, just before we move on to Justin Trudeau, the, the, the thing... Uh, about the Green Party is that, I mean, you, you mentioned how many fewer votes they got in it, and I don't think that has much to do with Anime Paul at all, because, I mean, it's not like Elizabeth May was this fantastic world-class leader either. Um, I think it has more to do with the fact that the other parties have all decided that they care about the environment now. That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, on to Justin Trudeau. Yeah, I mean, when the CBC is... Uh, bringing this up, you know that thing that it probably isn't that far away uh, from either the Liberal MPs turning on Justin Trudeau or Justin Trudeau just deciding that he's done. Well, you had said on this show eons ago that he really wasn't serious about this job anyway, so he might just decide that maybe it's time to do a bit more surfing and a little less politicking. Well, I mean, the fact that he did what he did on Reconciliation Day uh, says to me that he's 
he doesn't take the job seriously. So, I mean, we, we've, we've always said this right from the beginning that he doesn't take the job seriously. And I think that the, this is just the latest, the latest uh, uh, example of it that. Absolutely true. So the only question remains is how long does he stay on and who takes his place? Well, unfortunately, so see the, the way the liberals do it, they don't actually have proper leadership races. Like when, when you go into a leadership race with the liberals, you already know who's going to win. Uh, because, I mean, it's more of a coronation than anything. And uh, I, I, I mean, when during the last one, everybody knew right from day one that Justin Trudeau was going to become the leader. Everybody knew after Jean Chrétien that uh, that Paul Martin was going to become the leader. Um, everybody knew Michael Ignatieff was going to be the leader before the debate, before their 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 leadership race even started. I mean, that's just the way it is with uh, with the Liberals, and so they're already saying that it's going to be Christia Freeland, and I. I, uh, I I agree with that. I think that Christia Freeland probably will end up being the leader. Uh, if that happens, we can look forward to several more liberal governments because people are going to uh, vote for her just based on her sex alone. Uh, because it certainly won't be because she's a really good MP. <laughs> no, no, competency will have nothing to do with that. No, <laughs> I mean she's she's she. Uh, when we when they first came into office in 2015, Christia Freeland was one of the ones that you and I were uh, most impressed with in that cabinet. Um, but over the years, uh, that has waned somewhat. Uh, she's not what we thought she was. Uh, which was competent. Like she's she's just not competent. Um, and I think uh, you know during the election campaign, when she posted the the doctored video of Aaron O'Toole, I think that that uh, that that showed that that she has a lot a lack of competency. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I I just think leader. I mean the. They're also touting Mark Carney, but I I don't think that I think that with the liberals being a hard left party now that they're not going to want another white man. Uh, they're going to go with a white woman, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they're going to go with a woman. They're not going to go with another man. Yeah, well, that's a good point. And also, and we're going to touch on this after we talk about Aaron O'Toole. With the economic crisis that's right around the corner, I don't think Mark Carney wants anything to do with that job. Uh, no, I mean, he'd be finance minister, obviously, um, if he came on board with the uh, with the Liberals before the next election. Uh, and uh, you know, I mean. I, I've never thought that he was this boy wonder that everybody thinks he is. Uh, I've, when you look at what he supposedly did that was so genius during the 2007, 2008 uh, housing mortgage crisis, the, all he did was keep interest rates low. 
Like he didn't. It wasn't like he he pulled some magic rabbit out of his hat or anything. He just kept kept interest rates low. I've never thought that he was some financial genius. I mean, the 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 financial genius that got us out of that was Stephen Harper, not him. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. So that's that's my thoughts on on Mark Kearney. I, I just I, I mean I don't think that he's going to be the leader. I think it'll be Christy Freeland, and if he does come on board with the Liberals, he'll and, and if they win the election, then he'll be the uh, finance minister. Yeah, I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment. Yeah. So let's talk about our good friend Aaron O'Toole. Well, what about Jack Meat Singh? Oh, sure. Yeah, go for it. Okay, Jagmeet Singh. I, I honestly don't know what to say about him. I, I mean, he he underperformed. Uh, his, he's not uh, the savior. I think they all thought he would be. Uh, I mean, obviously. I mean, his first election, he lost more than half their seats. This election, they've, uh, you know. Lost, uh, I think they lost a couple more, right? I think they gained they one from where they were, oh, they so really the same. but but it's it's the same as where it was before. Like, it, it's they're just he's not he doesn't perform, like, he doesn't he doesn't get. I mean, Jack Layton at least got people out to vote for the party, and uh, he he just doesn't do it. So, I but people like him. Everybody thinks he's the leader that everybody would want to have a beer with and all that. Uh, I can't disagree with that. I think he would, he's an I think he's an interesting guy. I, I think he, I think he's also uh, really really dumb when it comes to economics, but uh, but he's a nice guy. Can't argue with that. He's a really nice guy, and I think people like him because of that. So does he, you know, have his leadership? reviewed and does he remain leader uh, I think he does remain leader um, I just I, I, I just he's, he's one that I really don't have any firm opinion on because I don't know what the NDP plan on doing they stick with their leaders for a long time usually so yeah they do and I, I think he's going to stay um, he has that likability factor he's useless as far as I'm concerned, but he's a harmless idiot because he'll never become prime minister. Yeah, true. So, all right, now let's talk about our good friend Aaron O'Toole. Conservative Party Caucus met for the first time since the election yesterday, and they decided to uh, utilize the Reform Act, which allows for their MPs or their caucus, I guess, to invoke or, or at least, how do you want to say, to uh, bring about a leadership review or a vote for uh, incompetence for the leader anyway. Yeah. So, I, I got to say, it's a bit of a surprise. Uh, but it's not... I would, I would, okay, let me rephrase that. I, I would I would say that this is a bit of a surprise, but in my opinion, it is welcome. Yeah, I uh, I don't think that they will try to 
oust him right away, but I think they put him on notice that he better smarten up. Yeah. Like, be a conservative. That might help. Yeah. Like, I, I, I cannot... I, I just can't uh, put into words how how disappointed and upset I was by his performance in the, in the election campaign. I he didn't he didn't have to just change policy on the fly the way he did just because a reporter asked him a tough question. And everybody knew what the conservatives policy was on firearms and then when a reporter asked him about it he panicked and then made his policy exactly the same as the liberals i mean it's 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 just so disappointing so frustrating and incredibly maddening that that he did that because that i believe cost cost him the election because right after that his numbers started falling. And I think it was because people said, well, how can we trust this guy? He just changed his policy because he stuck his, he licked his finger and stuck it in the air. Yep. I see where you're coming from. And I had a good couple of weeks to think about this now. And I actually think Aaron O'Connell deserved the chance to stay on. And I would support him to stay on. And Lewis, don't fire me from the show. <laughs> he uh, he achieved his goals in that he grew the support for the Conservative Party, who I've called the Blue Liberals, and I still call them that. He grew the support in Ontario, Quebec, and Atlantic Canada. At the expense of debates in Western Canada, which leads me back to a conversation I had 20-plus years ago back in my Alberta First Party days with our executive director at the time, who had essentially said, you know what, we really should just let those Eastern Conservatives do their thing, let Western Conservatives do our thing, and then at some point when the coalition can be had to run the country, then we'll get together. And that's the train I'm on right now. We can even stay in the Conservative Party of Canada, but just have your Western caucus, your Eastern caucus, and a set of common principles you abide by, and then work at it to get along. Well, I understand what you're saying, but was there a single policy put forth by Aaron O'Toole in that election campaign that you agree with as a conservative from the West? Yes, but he didn't bring any of them public. If you read the platform, he actually said, we're going to repeal C-48, we're going to repeal whatever the no-pipeline bill was. And, but there was stuff there for Western Canada, but he said nothing about it. Like, nothing. The only stuff that he actually spoke out loud about, I didn't agree with a single thing. Uh, you're absolutely right. Because he was doing that to try to appeal to those Toronto voters. And if they want a progressive conservative out there, and clearly they do, then let him be that progressive conservative. But let Candace Bergen lead up the Western caucus and tell him, hey, you can't ignore us or we will bring you down. Yeah, I mean, the problem is, is that 
You know, we've talked about this before, about how the Conservative Party of Canada is more of a coalition than it was a a true blue Conservative Party. Uh, it's a coalition in that the old progressive Conservatives and the old Reform Party uh, came together and became the Conservative Party of Canada. The problem is they didn't keep any policies from the Reform Party. None. None. And they had great, some really great policies, but they didn't keep any of them. There is not a policy left in the in the uh, Conservative Party uh, a policy book. Not one policy in there is from the Reform Party days. Yeah, sad. And it's it's from a time when I mean, like the concert, like the Reform Party came about because if you remember their slogan, it was "The West Wants In," and. I mean, I, I I feel like we we need that again. The like the West, we need we need a voice to represent us. And right now, the Conservative Party of Canada does not do that. No, they are not the voice of Western Canada. And Aaron O'Toole made that very clear, which is why I think that we need to go back to saying this is a coalition, and you need to pay attention to all factions. Yeah. And I want to make it very clear that the, that the voice for Western Canada is not the Maverick Party either, because uh, I don't know anybody who wants to support a party named Maverick. <laughs> the thir- Thirty-five thousand votes. That's what they got. Yeah. yeah. Total. That's not just yeah. one candidate. That's total. Yeah. Now I, it's. I'm sorry. I got to keep saying this, but. God, you guys, change the name of the party. (laughs) Yep. And now I want to make this one point clear that the People's Party of Canada cannot be um, found guilty of vote splitting, by the way. Um, Full disclosure, yours truly, I voted for the PPC in my riding. Our Conservatives still won by over 2,000 votes. Even with the PPC candidate here getting 2,500 or so votes. So the vote splitting did not make a difference here. And Candace Malcolm from True North did a great favor to all of us by doing the homework. If every single PPC vote had gone to the Conservative Party of Canada, they still would have ended up with 141 seats to the Liberals' 143. So Justin Trudeau would still be prime minister today. So let's put the vote splitting myth behind us, Canada. It would have made that big of a difference, eh? 22 seats? Yeah, I was surprised it was that big a difference, but yeah, that, uh, it would have only taken 16 from one That's interesting, because I, I really, I thought they only came into play in about six ridings. Well, that's what I thought too, but uh, yeah, apparently it didn't make that much of a difference, but it still would not have won government conservatives. Right. Well, you might find me voting PPC next time too, so uh, I'm just, my thing is, is that 
I think Maxime Bernier needs to. I, I mean, I know that he has said that he is. Uh, he's in favor of a leadership review, and we'll take part in one if that's what the members want. And I think that honestly, they we they they do need the PBC does need a different leader, just for the simple fact that he doesn't even speak English very well, and they have to put subtitles uh, on the English commercials. Well, good point. And when I attended a campaign event of his, I got to admit, it was really hard to understand him speaking live. And I actually sent you a video of his, the French part of his speech, thinking, well, at least maybe one of us will understand something he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I feel, I feel for him because He's probably the only leader federally that I feel actually has the best interest of Canadians at heart. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, and and uh, and and he's the only one that I don't think would compromise the integrity of him, like his own integrity, the integrity of his policies, or anything if it meant more votes. Uh, and and I gotta respect that. Yeah, good point. I agree with that. So, yeah. Anyway, I think I think that about covers it for this week. We got it, and we got in our time. How about that? Fantastic. All right, Canada, thank you so much for joining us and for sticking with us. We will certainly uh, we'll get you a show next week. It might be just myself, because Lewis will be out hunting. But if nothing else, we will get a couple of rants out to you. But until then, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony.